Thank you very much uh, for that bit of introduction. The senior minister, my colleague ministers, the leaders of the kinsmen, my son-in-law who did everything he could to drag me to this place. We're grateful to God for the opportunity to be here tonight. Uh, my wife is Mrs. Juliana Edujemfi. Uh, she comes with me tonight. <laughs> Julie is currently on retirement, and uh, she had her last place of work was with Action Aid uh, International, which is just by you. So this has been her frequent route. Uh, <laughs> But we're grateful to God for the opportunity to be here tonight to share in the week of the kinsmen and to look at the theme, Building Kingdom Legacies, Impacting Families, the Church, and Society. That is the subject I've been given tonight. If you have your Bible with you, you have your tablet, you have your phone, whichever you have. Turn with me to First Samuel chapter 3. First Samuel chapter 3. And I will be reading verses 1 to 10. First Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. From the NIV, the text says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The Lamb of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord. For your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at other times. Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. This is the reading of God's word. Shall we pray together? Father, we are grateful to you in the name of Jesus for the opportunity once again to open your word. I pray for grace, the Lord you will speak through your servant, 
I pray, O oh God, that you will open the hearts and the minds of your people to receive your word. We ask for those in Jesus' name. Amen. Building kingdom legacies, impacting families, the church, and society. Beloved, any time we talk about a legacy, we're talking about something that has been bequeathed to us, some form of inheritance, and something that another person might have achieved and left behind for other people. A legacy is something that happens or exists as a result of things that happened at an earlier time. And so, I live my life, and at the end of the day, my desire is to leave something behind, not only for my children, but also for people who have come into contact with me while I lived my life as a Christian. For some, legacy is an amount of money or property left to someone through the will that another person might have left behind. And leaving a legacy is the need or the desire to be remembered for what you have contributed to your world. If you come and live here, and at the end of the day, all you did was this person was born and lived and died and buried. What is it there is in life for you? So for some people, the contribution that we make in life could be so special that the whole universe remembers us when we are gone. I recall some few years ago, I was running my private business now, the gentleman who had been one of my clients, and this man had been really one of the backbones of my business in those days. Somehow the man died. And we went to the funeral. And when we got there, we, the morning of the funeral service itself, I arrived at St. Cyprian's Cathedral in Kumasi, and the whole place was full of people. They had set up a place for those of us who had traveled from Accra and elsewhere to come for breakfast. And when I went there, I noticed that they had made preparation for over 3,000 people. Breakfast alone. We went through the whole funeral service. And then we took the body, went to the hometown to bury the man. And when we went there, there was a different story there. And we're told that one week after the man died, the electricity company truck came through that village. And as soon as the villagers saw what was happening, everybody had put their hand on their head and they were all crying. And why were they crying? This man had been the sole person who had brought electricity to that village. And he was paying the electricity bill of everybody in the village. So when the man died, and they saw that the van was passing by, they thought that because the man was dead and they had not paid the electricity bill, ECG was coming to cut them off. At that funeral, there were several other people who came by 
and pay tribute to this man. He had over 70 buildings in Kumasi. And most of the 70 were rented out to people. And all the people who lived in the 70 houses paid no rent. Now you can imagine the kind of funeral that we had attended. It was more of a celebration than anything else. Because people came and testified of what this man had done. But because I had worked closely with him in business, I knew the resources that the Lord had blessed him with. The man left a legacy. And sometimes some people leave something behind that shakes the whole universe. But then there are also others who might leave a very modest legacy. And that does not necessarily change the world as I have just described. But some people leave footprints that are very difficult to erase when they are dead and gone. And so leaving a legacy is fundamental to human living. And for anybody who comes through this earth and through life, should remember that it's important for you and I to leave something behind so that the children who are coming after us will look at those things and say, yes, this man, that woman, that person lived here and left something. Hallelujah. And so living a legacy is an important part of life. And a legacy develops from a life dedicated to self-reflection and also to a certain purpose in life. But for us tonight, we are not talking about just an ordinary legacy. But we are talking about legacy in the kingdom. And when we talk about the kingdom of God, I have always placed it in three different categories. Number one, the kingdom of God is defined as God's rule in the hearts of human beings. And especially for those of us who have believed in him. That when God, through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, you and I accept him and he comes to live in our hearts, he comes to rule over our lives. And it is that life which you and I live under his rule and under his kinship is what we describe as the kingdom of God. That's the first. The second definition of the kingdom of God is that God is the creator of everything that exists. And therefore, he is the one who rules over everything. The Bible says that he said, let, there, let it be, and it was. Hallelujah. And therefore, everything under the surface of the sun is under his rule. And so what do I do and what do you do while we live under this kingdom to live a certain legacy that when we are gone, other people who will come after us will say that indeed we came and left something that glorifies our God. The third definition of the kingdom of God is when Jesus returns at the end of time and rules over this earth. And so while you and I, the church, lives in hope for that appearing of the Lord, what kind of life do we live so that when he appears, we will be caught up with him and then we will come back and reign with him? Hallelujah. And so when we talk about living a legacy, 
It is not just the buildings and the, 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 the cars and the money and the things that I want to live for my children, but what do I do in the context of the kingdom that will bring glory and honor to the living God? Hallelujah. But if you and I are going to live to please the Lord, one key thing is to learn to hear the voice of God. To learn to listen to Him. And to learn to know the leadership and the direction of the Most High God. And that is why I have chosen the text that I just read. And because I know that one of the greatest desires of every Christian is to know God's leadership in our lives. We want to hear from Him. We want to know His will. We want to know what He's leading us to do. And that is why a lot of Christians are running across this country left and right, going from place to place because we want to hear something from God. Because some of us have not learned to hear from God ourselves. And I've kept running around. Some people have also taken advantage of us. And so they will do everything to let it look like they are the only ones who hear from God. And so until you come to them, you will not hear from God. But tonight I trust that as we open God's word, the Lord will cause you and I to hear from him. So that by hearing from him, we will also be able to leave something behind. Hallelujah. The story that has just been read to us is situated in the context of a young boy, Samuel. And at the time the story was written about him, this young boy probably was about the age of 12 or 13. He's the son of a woman of great wealth. If you go to chapter 1 of First Samuel, we told the story of Hannah, a woman who had no child at a certain point in her life, who had gone with the husband consistently to worship. And one day the woman went to the temple and had to go and hide in a certain corner and talk to God. Hallelujah. And Hannah had to do this because she was married to a man who had another wife. This other wife had children. Hannah had none. At the time the story was written. And this rival will rise up every day and begin to tease her rival. Like some of the stories that we hear in our own country. And so her rival kept provoking her. And Hannah realized that the only way she could respond to this was to go to God in prayer. And not only did she go to God in prayer, but she went to God in prayer Asking God to bless her with a child. And did not only end there, but ended even with a vow. That if you bless me and give me a child, I'll bring this child back to you. Hallelujah. Beloved, the first step for you and I to live a legacy is to reflect and decide what is the most important thing that you and I cherish and need in life. For Hannah in the story, at this particular time, her most important need was for a child. And therefore, she gave attention to this need when she came to church. And decided to share that need with the Lord. 
And he took her knee to God in prayer and prayed such that when the priest sat back and saw Hannah and the way she was praying, she looked at her and said, well, how can you be drunk at this early morning? And Hannah would walk to the priest and say, look, I'm not drunk. There's something in my heart that is, that is a burden. And I've decided to pour it out onto God. For Hannah, she had one great need. And she decided that to meet that need, the answer to that need was prayer. Hallelujah. Beloved, may I submit to you that many of us have set goals in life. I wish I can do this and I can leave this behind and I can do that. But the truth is that in our own strength, we can do it. Hannah learned so early that the only way to achieve her goal was to go to God in prayer. And she went with her whole heart and poured her heart out onto God and to the extent that Eli sat in chair and saw the woman and said, she must be drunk. And I'm sure it was not an ordinary prayer. But a woman who was really traveling with God in prayer. Hallelujah. And so if you and I are going to be able to live a legacy... We have to think through, reflect, and decide what is the most important need in my life at this particular time. What is it that I want to leave behind? And how am I pursuing that goal to ensure that at the end of time when I'm not here, that footprint will be left? And for Hannah, she realized that if she's going to achieve that goal, she needed to tackle it in prayer. And she gave so much attention to prayer... And made this an important thing in her life. The second thing in this context is that Hannah realized that that prayer could not be offered anywhere else, but also offered in the temple of God. For Hannah, she realized that if she was going to leave a a lasting legacy, that legacy must also begin from the house of God. And that is why we are talking about kingdom legacy. We may leave certain things behind for our children back at home. But what legacy are we living in this house? Hannah left a legacy of prayer with a vow. And that is why we are telling the story today. Hallelujah. And she made a vow to God and said, God, if you will grant my prayer, when you give me that child, I will dedicate that child to you. And God was so faithful. A year after that, the Lord had blessed this woman and Hannah had a child. Hallelujah. In First Samuel chapter 1 verse 22, the text says that Hannah did not go with the husband the next year. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord and he will live there always. I went to God to ask for something and I pledged before the Lord that if he blesses me I will dedicate that back to him. God has given me a boy and Hannah said that I want to keep this boy until the boy is weaned and I'll take the boy and present the boy to God and when I present the boy to God the boy will remain there forever. Hallelujah. Beloved, when you and I today talk about winning a child, 
Most women are thinking of those early months, probably year two, three, maximum, when the child has stopped taking the breast milk. But Hannah said that, I want to wait till this child is weaned, and then I will take the child and present her to God, leave her there for the rest of her life. And I don't think you and I can take a six-month-old baby to the temple and leave the temple there. Are you with me? Neither can I take a one-year-old child. So the use of the word win here is much more deeper. In other words, I am raising the child to that point when that child is no longer dependent on me. And when I bring the child to the point where the child is no longer dependent on me, I'm bringing the child to God. The second legacy you and I can live is to raise up children and raise them up very well. And as you're going to hear from the story, Hannah did not just present Samuel to Eli, but at the time she took Samuel there, the boy had been brought up to the level where Hannah knew, if I leave my child here, I'm sure and confident that this child will still sit at the feet of the Lord. Some of us are policing our children every day. When we send them to SS every week, we want to go and see whether they are alive or not. Are they still in the Lord? And when they are coming on vacation, my heart is, is, is something else. Will she still go to, go to church with me? And is she going to be dedicated? Hannah said, when the child is weaned, I'm taking her to the Lord. And that child will remain there forever. Beloved, I want to challenge you tonight. Raise up children so well, so grounded in the Lord, that wherever you place those children, they will survive. Wherever you leave them, they must survive. Hallelujah. And so when the boy was weaned, Hannah took him. Hallelujah. And he will only bring him at the point when she knew that this boy was no longer going to depend on me. I've raised her enough. We're going to leave a legacy. Train your children to stand on their own faith without even your presence. And some of us have always gone through struggle. You can't leave them alone because you know that if you leave them there, something is going to happen. But my prayer is that the best legacy we can leave will be children who are brought up in the Lord, who will follow after our steps that even when we are dead and gone, we are confident that they will stay in the faith. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And this boy had been brought up such that he will come and serve the Lord, as Hannah expected. Because the mother, through her prayer, I believe, was training Samuel to understand that to serve in the house of God is not just with an open eye. But you serve in the house of God with prayer as your bedrock. And the woman had prepared the son so well that at this point she was ready to release him. Hallelujah. And listen to the testimony of Eli about this boy in Second First Samuel chapter two and verse twenty. The text says Eli would bless a Canaan. And his wife saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they will go home. 
Anytime they went back yearly for the feast, Eli the priest will bless this family. And when he blesses them, he tells them, look, you, have, you prayed for one. And he gave back that one to the Lord. This boy has served so well. May the Lord bless you with another. Hallelujah. Amen. Beloved, how many of us can raise up children for whom other people can testify of? Living a legacy in the family, in this, the church, and in society. Now, Eli could say these things about this boy Samuel that Hannah brought because Eli looked at his own sons and when he compared them, the priest had a problem even with his own children. Hallelujah. And when the Bible talks about the sons of Eli, it is so disheartening. Chapter 2, verse 12. Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord. According to 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 12. Now it was a practice of the priests with the people that whenever anyone offered a sacrifice and while the meat was being boiled, the servant of the priest would come with a, a three-plunged fork in his hand and he would plunge it into the pan or the kettle or called one or pot, and the priest would take for himself whatever the folk brought up. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the servants of the priest would come and say to the men who were sacrificing, Give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept wild meat for, from you, but only raw. If the man said to him, Let the fat be burned up first, and then take whatever you want. The servant will then answer, No, hand it over now. If you don't, I will take it by force. This sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ethod. Are you hearing me? The priests. And Hannah's son, who he had brought to live with the king, with the priest. Eli was testifying, may the Lord bless you with another child. So that you can bring more, even to come and serve. The man was saying this in the context of the life of his own children. Are you with me? The Bible says that his own children were what? Wicked men. And when the Bible says you are wicked, I don't know who else will describe you again. Number two... They had no regard for the things of God. How can priests in the house of God have no regard for the things of God? Praise God. Verse 12, verse 17, they treated the ministry with utter contempt. And there were people in ministry who had no regard for the things of God. And these days, when you see certain things on television and on radio, you must understand that there is a history. Are you with me? There is a history. Outer contempt for the things of God. But the truth is that when you treat the ministry of God or things of God with contempt, it becomes difficult to hear from God. When you dishonor Him, 
He will dishonor you. And some of us will ask, how do I dishonor the Lord? These young men were receiving the gifts of the people of God when they brought such sacrifices. The Bible says that they were supposed to kill the animal, boil it, and after they finished boiling them, the fragrance had gone to God and God had received his blessing. You can then go and take some of the meat. These young men came and said, look, we don't want that one. Before God will take his glory, I must take my first. I used to serve in a certain capacity. Went to a certain church and met a problem there which we were trying to resolve. There were some deacons in the church who were not paying their tithe. And when we asked them why they were not paying their tithe, they said they were serving the church so much that they used their own tithe to pay their transport fare. May God be gracious to you. Are you hearing me? If you want to pay yourself, go ahead. But we know that our reward is where? It's in heaven. But even before we get there, he knows how to reward us. These young priests decided that the blessing and the sacrifice of the people, instead of giving them to God, they decided that we would take our own first. May the Lord be gracious to us. You see, some of us are robbing God. We are not robbing God by taking the meat, but we are robbing God by keeping the money. Are you with me? And when it's time to bring the tithe, you are holding on to it. You see, uh, after all, we have finished building the church. You see, that place is a nice place. What do they need money for? My responsibility and your responsibility is to bring the tithe. Whatever the priest would do with them, it is for them to go and account to God. It is not mine. My responsibility is to bring mine. And I'm faithful to God, and I'll bring God what is due to Him. Men, listen to me. Anytime it comes to the issue of money, as for the women, they can easily tell, let's take it. The men are arguing. We have the school fees to pay. You see, we the, this is enough to buy some cement to build a house. And why are you taking it? If you want to take your portion first, you can take it. But the truth is that there is a price to pay. Give to God what is due Him. And He will bless you. The sons of Eli decided that whatever that was due to God, they themselves were going to take it. Beloved, if you are going to live a lasting legacy, remember the discussion you have in that car when you are coming to church, discussing your tithe and the paying of tithe and the thanksgiving, the children who are behind you are listening. And when they grow up, they would have learned from you what it means to bring their sacrifice before the Lord. Eli's children were taking their portion before allowing God to have his. Praise God. The issue does not end there. Verse 22 says that now Eli of chapter 2 who was very old heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who sat at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So he said to them, why do you do such a thing? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, it is not good report. 
that I hear spreading among the Lord's people. If a man sins against another man, God may be dead for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke, for it was the Lord's will to put them to death. The young men were not only taking their sacrifices, but they were also sacrificing the women in the church. May God be gracious to the music director who stands conducting Do Re Mi Fa Sol Loto and then he stands in somewhere because he knows tonight somebody must spend the night in the house. May God be gracious to you as a man. Eli's sons were not only stealing the things from the offering, but they were also abusing the women. Son of God, the Lord has blessed you with many things. But remember that it's our responsibility to raise up responsible children who will come after us. Children who will know the value of the house of God. You see, those days when we were growing up, church buildings were not like we see today. And those days when you entered the church, even to go and pray, you were afraid. You were not sure whether when you enter you might come back alive. Now, I recall my younger days, my mother used to have a certain corner in the room where she had built her own altar with a picture of Jesus sitting there. And every morning she would go there to pray. And while we, are lying, we were lying down in the morning, we found her early morning, between 4 and 4.30 in the morning, this woman was there praying and speaking in tongues. Those days I didn't even understand what speaking in tongues was. But there was this picture of Jesus that was sitting there. I don't know how they painted it. But wherever you move in that room, that picture appeared to be looking at you. And so when you enter that room, you were very cautious of yourself and conscious of what you do there because Jesus was looking at you. And that used to be the case of church buildings the way it used to be in the past. Now we have beautified it, we have made it nice and so people walk into church without the fear of God. Remember, Jacob said when he slept and got up, he said, wow, this is the place of God and I did not know it. Beloved, may some fear of God come upon us to remember that when we come into the house of God as kinsmen, we are raising up a generation of people after us that when we are gone, this generation will fear the Lord and not be like the sons of Eli. And when the father had spoken to them and told them that, son, this is what I'm hearing about, he said they did not even listen to the rebuke of their father. These were very arrogant young boys. These were self-important bullies who were bullying everybody in church. What legacy are you living? You come to church and insult everybody and push everybody around. I'm telling you that the young people are watching. And the legacy we leave behind are the things we do. They will copy us when we are gone. But may it be such that after you and I are gone, 
the young people who will come after us will testify that this brother, that sister, that woman, that old man was in this church. And any time I came to church and saw him, I felt like I was in the presence of God himself. May that be a portion. But if you remember what we read in chapter 3 verse 1, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. Are you with me? Because of the behavior of the children, because of the behavior of Eli's family, God's word was gone. So if the priest was not hearing from God, what was he preaching? We're telling some folks two days ago, these days it is very easy to go and sit behind the television and tune in to TBN and watch somebody preach. Copy the sermon and come and pour it somewhere. And everybody says, oh, he preached. But you know, it is not original. When the word of God dries up, parents are not hearing from God. Mother is not hearing from God. None of us are hearing from God. We begin to order our lives anyhow. Because the word of the Lord was rare. There were no visions in those days. But there was a small boy who was there. And God decided that if Eli and his family had done this thing to this point, verse 17 says that Eli's sons were wicked sons. They had no regard for the Lord. The sins of the young man was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. God decided that if these children of yours will not listen to me, and have no regard for me, then I have closed this family. I want to take that small boy and deal with the boy. Are you hearing me? So if we're going to leave a lasting legacy, Hannah was no longer living here. Hannah was not serving in the temple, but Hannah had raised a boy who was willing to sit at the feet of the priest to learn. And I believe that what someone was doing here was not just at the feet of the priest but this was his own seminary this was his bible school this was his training ground and there were different people in the bible school some were listening to God others were not hallelujah and in those days prophecy was rare God had pulled away and removed himself from the ministry of Eli because of his sons Beloved, may I submit to you again tonight that not only are we living a certain legacy, but the lifestyle we live and the way we conduct ourselves today is leaving behind something that could also probably become a curse to the people we leave behind. Because we are failing to hear the voice of God. And God did not want wanted to be around people who are treating his ministry with contempt. With disregard, people who lived immoral and impure lives, arrogant, and people who felt self-important. And it's no long wonder Eli failed to recognize God's voice. And by God talking to Samuel, God was demonstrating that the time of repentance for Eli's sons was long past. 
I've spoken enough. They will not listen. Let me put them aside and move along with my situation. Hallelujah. The situation in Eli's day probably is not too different from ours. God is still looking for people who will draw closer to him. And sometimes the things we, you and I do grieve the spirit of the living God. And it's important for us to return to him. Hallelujah. But while they were there, the Bible says that Hannah, in chapter 1, Verse 22, Hannah did not go, she said to her sons, after the boys we now take him and present him before the Lord, and he will serve there. In chapter 2, verse 18, but someone was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ethod. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when he went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Hallelujah. Hannah had given the boy over. Go and say. They went back. They will come yearly. But every year when Hannah came, Hannah made sure that he had prepared a special rope. And she would come and give the rope to the son. This boy is a ministry. He must appear nice. This boy is a ministry. He needs support. Hallelujah. And that brings me to my third point. If we're going to be able to leave a lasting legacy, support the people and the causes that are important to you. What is so important to you in this life that you want to leave behind? You support it. Hallelujah. And there is nothing that is so important and self-satisfying than to make the choice to sustain and be loyal to friends and those things that you cherish so much. That you will give everything to make sure that those things will succeed. Amen? Sometimes I believe that on Boxing Day, many of us will troop because some of our people are here and go to the National Theater to go and see Joyful Way. For close to 40 years, the group is still ministering. And you wonder, why have a lot of groups died and others are surviving? The group has survived because some of us who were part of it and who are now out of it realize that there is a cause that might be supported. And so we'll give to that cause to make sure that that cause can be sustained. There are people sitting here tonight. You are so passionate about covenant family. And now that you are alive here, you want so many things to function. But what happens when you are gone? Do you expect those things to die? Or do you expect them to continue? But how are they going to continue? Of late, I've been drawing the attention of a lot of Christians to something that the white folks do very well, but which we are not doing too well. How many of us sitting here tonight would consider that because I'm so passionate about this ministry in this church and would like that ministry to continue, I have decided to include that ministry in my personal will 
So that when I die, that property of mine which is receiving rent, a certain portion of that rent will come to the church to make sure that that ministry will not die. How many of us are thinking that way? And so, we support the young men's ministry and with now we are kinsmen and kinsmen and after all the kinsmen, the top ones are gone, kinsmen now bows. Is there something that I can do to make sure that that ministry can be sustained? Some of us are passionate about missions. Is there something that I can do in my well to make sure that missions can be carried out even when I'm gone? Because even in my death, I'm supporting that cause to make sure that that ministry can be sustained. But many of us are thinking about that house for your child. But the truth is that your children don't even like the house. <laughs> we are all witnesses. Go beyond this place, drive through Laboni, go to airport residential area, East Legon, and look at the houses the old men built. They gave them to the young men. Now they are no longer living in them. They have become what? Offices. We're trying to give one of our Properties to one of our sons. We thought he would move in there. He said he doesn't like it. And the only reason why he doesn't like the house is because the internet in that area is bad. Their priorities are totally different from ours. But God's priority will remain. And it's important for us as a church to begin to think around those things. How do we sustain the ministry? For each year that Hannah came, Hannah made sure that I will support this boy. And Hannah came consistently providing so that the young boy could focus on ministry and not be worried about where is my next youth coming from. Because somebody will provide. Church, it's important to think about these things. What is so important to you? And what cause do you value so much? For Hannah... By giving that boy to God, Hannah felt that this was the most important thing in my life. And this is the most important sacrifice I've made. And I will continue to support it until that thing stands. Hallelujah. The fourth thing is that when we want to live a lasting legacy, we contribute beyond ourselves. Not only was Hannah providing the clothing, but the woman will carry it. And in those days, we'd not have, there were no airplanes, there were no cars like ours, but they traveled that long distance to come to Jerusalem to worship. And whenever they came, they came with their gifts. Hallelujah. These days, if you don't provide me with a POS, also I won't bring my tithe, because my tithe is on a cart. And I, we have all kinds of reasons. But if we want to contribute, we contribute beyond ourselves. Hallelujah. To make sure that the things of God will survive. The behavior of Eli's sons was very attractive. And while someone was with them, someone could have joined them. After all, there's good meat. I can take whatever I want. The women are there. Let me enjoy as much of them as possible. But someone said that I am here for a reason. My mother raised me here for a reason. I am a gift of God to this place. 
It's important to keep myself and go beyond my very self so that I can keep my reputation. Hallelujah. Beloved, sometimes we need to go beyond ourselves. The things of this life are running around our nose and our ears and our eyes. They are very attractive. But we are king's men in the kingdom. And for that reason, we make sacrifices to ensure that the reputation of the church, the reputation of the kingdom is preserved. Hallelujah. And Hannah did this not gradually. He did, she did it in love. Those who want to live a lasting legacy do the things they do out of love. And daily, Hannah will carry these things to the son and do it such that the son will know that I have a caring mother who will come each year. And not only was my mother coming and carried, but I know that even when mommies was at home, man was praying for me. And I know that when she comes around, the, the love and the encouragement that she brings along alone is enough to carry me on in ministry. Beloved, let us express our love. The sixth thing is that if you're going to live a lasting legacy, you share your blessings with others. And whatever blessing Hannah was receiving, Hannah was ready to share with the son. Hallelujah. And was not ready to keep it all to herself, but ready to come in and to share. We do these things because we want to do good. Hallelujah. The eighth thing I want to share with you is that if you're going to live a lasting legacy, you must be a mentor to others. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. But one night, both Samuel and Eli had gone to sleep. And while they were sleeping, Samuel heard somebody calling him. Samuel, Samuel. He got up and went to Eli and said, Sir, you call him? He said, No, I'm not calling you. Go back and sleep. But there's something interesting in that text. Chapter 3, verse 2. One night, Eli, whose, sons, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. Hallelujah. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, but someone was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Two people asleep. The Bible describes where they were sleeping. Eli was lying in the usual place. But in that usual place, God doesn't speak. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. And Eli was lying in the same place every day when God's word was rare. And yet he kept lying there. Beloved in the Lord, there are many of us coming to church Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, and hardly do we hear God speaking to us because we sit at the usual place. And in that usual place, you have a friend who will always sit with you in the usual places. And that friend laughs 
reading WhatsApp when the word of God is being preached. Browsing the net at the usual place every Sunday and every Wednesday. And yet you love sitting in the usual place. So when God's word is coming out in the usual place, WhatsApp is talking to you. Google is speaking. And so you leave church and go back, you didn't hear anything because you were in the usual place. Some of us have been doing the usual things consistently and we are not hearing the voice of God. The Bible says that Samuel was sleeping in the temple. Not anywhere in the temple, but where the ark of God was. Hallelujah. Beloved, if you want to hear from the Lord, you position yourself to hear from Him. Hallelujah. Because when you draw closer to Him, He will draw closer to you. And because of where someone was sleeping, when God came into the temple, He called Samuel. Samuel got up, he thought he had heard Eli calling him, went to Eli and said, Sir, are you calling me? He said, No, I didn't call you. Go back and sleep. The boy went back. He heard the same voice again. He went to Eli and said, Sir, are you calling me? He said, No, I've not called you. Go back and sleep. He heard it a third time. He went back to Eli. Eli said, Well, go back. When you hear the same voice again, just say, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. Samuel was at the proper place. In the temple, where the ark of God was. God had visited him. But even though God had left Eli somewhere else and was speaking to Samuel, Samuel did not know how God spoke. Until Samuel went to Eli, and Eli told him, Son, if he speaks again, just respond that, Lord, speak, your servant is listening. And when he went back and did that, God spoke to the young boy. You see, young men, young women, there are older people in the faith who have walked a certain path that you have not walked on before. There's a young boy, let's say a boy, a young man, who took over from me when I completed my work in my last pastorate and became the president of the convention. Because in our system now, the president of the convention does not pastor a church anymore. I've been in this church for 25 years, started it and pastored it for 25 years. And this young man was brought back to replace me. And I had to serve with me for a few months before I left him. Wednesday evening like this, he was teaching and I was sitting down. The young man was speaking and he told the congregation, you see, I'm more anointed than the senior pastor. Then he corrected himself, said, well, but the senior pastor has more wisdom than me. And I said to myself, if you had wisdom, you would not have said what you said. Young men, the older people have walked a certain path that you have not walked on before. And these days, some of you go and hide somewhere and pray a little bit and shake a little bit. And then you come back and say you have anointing. 
And when you speak, nobody should speak. May the Lord give you grace to sit at the feet of the older men and be taught. God was speaking to Samuel. Samuel at that point did not know the voice of God. It took Eli, even the man that God had rejected, to still teach Samuel how to hear God's voice. When it's time to go to Bible study, go and sit down and learn. If you have to go to a cell group meeting, go and sit down and learn. Hear from the older people. Because they want to impart something to you before they leave. Remember the story of Elijah? When Elijah asked him, what do you want? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. He said, young man, you've asked for a very hard thing. But the truth is that if you can stay and watch me to the day I go up, you will get it. Some of us don't have that patience to wait at the feet of the older men. Ministry is not a race. I used to tell some of our Baptist folks that when we started Holy Ghost things, some of them were not there. And I'm sure some of you still think that Baptists are still in the old place. But now we have moved away from there. We are no longer in the usual place. Hallelujah. But when we started, Baptists were not like who we are now. We stayed, we stayed put, we did all the things we did, and now the church is different from what it used to be. A young men will come to the scene and think that because they can now Morocco, Morocco, Libya, Egypt more than you, they think that they have more anointing than you. I look at them and say that when you grow up to a certain point in your ministry and life, ministry is not by strength, it is by faith and by grace. Are you hearing me? At a certain point, it is not strength. Some of you, when you come, you bring somebody for deliverance, you will Morocco and Morocco and Libya, Egypt, so you sweat and your jacket is wet and you throw them away. And some of us will come and do one thing and something will happen. They say, ah, but how did it happen? I'm telling you, ministry is not a race. It is grace. And a lot of learning to get to that point. Sit at the feet of the older men and learn. Kinsmen who are young, hold on to the older men. People in the faith who had walked with the Lord genuinely. Walk with them and you will learn from them. And sometimes some of them will take the word of God and open it and say, but I've read this thing, I've not seen what, what this man is talking about. It comes after a long while of sitting at the feet of older men. Are you with me? And when we began ministry and worked with people like Ransford Sinavo and others and holding their cars and driving them like their drivers, even though I was an accountant, it was not just because I was following somebody, but we had to learn from somewhere. Sit at the feet of the older men and learn. They will teach you and instruct you. Hallelujah. Someone needed Eli to tell him what it means to hear the voice of the Lord. When he went and consulted Eli, Eli showed him that, go back. What you are hearing is different. When you hear the voice again, say, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. Hallelujah. And so, the older men should also work as consultants to the younger people. And sometimes you bring them along. When you are going on a visitation, carry one of them with you. 
He's not just an armor bearer, but he's learning. Go with him. And when you are doing counseling, he sits back and listens and he hears it. When you are sharing the gospel with somebody, he sits back and learns it. Oh, okay, this is how we do it. And this is how he went around it. Hallelujah. Learn for people. Hallelujah. Amen. And so, Samuel heard from God. And God spoke to him and spoke to him about the family of Eli and all the things they've done and what, how their end was going to be and what God wanted to do with them. Hallelujah. But when Samuel got out of the place, he knew he had had an encounter with God. So how did this boy hear from God? And Eli did not. Number one, he was at the right place. He was in the temple. Young men and young women, kinsmen and women who are listening to me, we hear from God when we come into the house of God. In our younger days in the faith, weekday service was full. These days we'll give all the reasons. Oh, I cry, you see the traffic and this and that and that. If a white play was coming on tonight, are you sure you'd have given the same excuse? But when it's time for church, we'll give all the excuses. And this only see when I when I close, I was too tired, you see, and also for you see these days I cry, you see, and you see the bank we don't close early and we're having a, your friend's party, you'd have asked for permission to be there. Someone heard from God because he was at the right place. Be available at the right places. Your teaching services, your cell groups, your small groups, the, the worship services, the, the auxiliary meetings. Be part of these things because that is where God speaks to his people. Be in church. Because when we come to church, it is not just an ordinary gathering. Share even in the sacraments of the church. You see, when we come to the Lord's Supper, it is not just that we came to eat. But when we talk about taking the bread, that Jesus broke it, it shows our own brokenness and our own weaknesses. That we bring our brokenness before him and take his wholeness from here. Hallelujah. When you observe baptism, it is not just because we poured people in water and brought them up. But it's a demonstration of the fact that we have died with him and we are rising up again with him. Now all these things are telling stories about our faith. And the more you sit in church and the more you bring your children to church to sit by you, they learn. I was talking about the fact that church has changed to these days. In the old days when they had all the stained glasses and they had pictures of the Lord's Supper and things on glasses. The children would sit there and ask questions, what is that? Say, oh, okay, that was Peter and when he betrayed Jesus. And Jesus, so it gives you the opportunity to tell the story to the child. Are you with me? These days we have removed them. So how do you tell the story? There has to be another means to tell the children the same story. Hallelujah. And so make yourself available. The word comes to us through the proclamation. And when you and I sit at the feet of men and women to declare God's word, we hear from him. Hallelujah. And so if you are going to be able to hear from God, you must be where 
God speaks to his people. The next thing is that you can only hear from God when you make time to read his word. Read the word. Not only do you read, but also study the word. There's a difference between reading and studying. I read a newspaper, but I study my geography book. And when I'm studying my geography book, what do I do? I underline certain things because I want to pass my BEC or my WASI. And I underline certain things and I make notes and I color some places so that when I pick my book, I will know what it is. When I'm studying my Bible, I can read it just to have an idea of what is, is there. But when I really want to study, I put it down, I read, I underline, I make notes, and I make colors. So when you read the Bible and open and you see yellow things there, I know that every yellow is reference to the Holy Spirit. And so when I see it, I can go there and read. When I see red marks in my Bible, it talks about the blood. And so I can go there and find them. Take time to study the word. It is by doing those things that you begin to hear from God. The Bible study sessions of the church cannot be overlooked. If I really want to hear from God, I make myself available. Hallelujah. And then, give attention to the quiet time. Of late, it looks like quiet time is too cool. Eh? When I was in seminary in the U.S., where I did my master's and my doctoral studies, in one of our classes, they asked students to sit down quietly, close their eyes for 10 minutes without any movement. And all the white folks in the class were fidgeting. I said something was happening to them. So after the encounter, we asked them to tell the answer. I said, when I closed my doors, I something was coming to catch me. I said, what is coming to catch you? Our world has become too busy with earphones in our ears. And people are walking and knocking their head like lizards on the wall. And sometimes, what is wrong with us? So noisy and so busy, we don't have time to even hear from God. Take those things out of your ear. Sit behind scripture. Read. And say, Lord, what are you telling me from this? And you will hear from God. Make time to listen. So all those white, young ladies, boys and girls in the class, I said something is coming to you. I said, what is it? Because they have not learned to sit down for 10 minutes without noise. These days, you see a lot of them, by the time they get out of the bed, the earphones are in their ear. And all through the day, what are you listening? May God be gracious to you. Stay quiet and listen to the voice of God. And that brings me to the Make time to listen to God. Someone received God's word in a manner that was consistent with how God had previously revealed himself. He comes closely, quietly, and speaks. He needed to be receptive to God's voice. And so when he was taught to say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening, God spoke to him. Sit quietly with God's word in your hand after you've read it over and over. Ask him questions. What is this text telling me about God? What is it telling me about the Holy Spirit? What is it telling me about Jesus? Is there anything in my life that this text is telling me that I need to let go? Is there something that this text is telling me that I need to incorporate into my life to help me to live the Christian faith? When I've done all this, I'll sit back and say, Lord, what are you telling me from this? In that quietness, you will hear from him. 
But these days, the Bible is so close to us. On our phones, on our tablets, we carry them everywhere. And yet, hardly do we read it. Are you with me? Hardly do we read it. When we were carrying this as hard copy every day, we carried it to church and still read it. Today you have it in your hand, you carry it everywhere. You have the opportunity, even if you don't have a car and you sit in a trotro to go to work. In Accra, I can guarantee you, wherever you lived, before you get to work, you would have spent 30 minutes to 45 minutes sitting in the trotro or the Uber. That is enough time to do a quiet time. Read your Bible in the trotro, take it from the phone, sit down and read. And parents, as you take the kids to school, they are sitting in the car, give them the Bible and say, read and let's learn. They read it to you. The children are learning, you are also learning. As soon as you get in there, Peace FM, Kukuruku, MPP, NDC. What has that got to do with us? These days, news is flash. Between 6.45 and 7 a.m., if you tune to Joy, you would have heard the, all the news for the day. If you go to BBC or CNN, all those of us with multi-TV, uh, uh, what, uh, DSTV, one hour you'd have caught up, caught, up with news, caught up with news. So why are you sitting behind that thing all day? Give attention to the reading of God's word. Hallelujah. Make time to listen to him. But as we hear the voice of the Lord, may I leave these three things with you quickly. That God still speaks. And how do I hear his voice? Anything that I hear, which appears to be the voice of God, must conform, number one, to scripture. Somebody might give you a revelation, might give you a prophecy, whatever it is. is does this thing conform to scripture? If, that, if it doesn't, throw it somewhere. And people are hearing and doing all kinds of things in this country. Day in and day out. The things that don't conform to scripture, and yet they are following it. And said, the man of God said it. Paul told us, that if somebody says anything to us that is not in conformity with this, let the person be what? Even be cursed. And yet we are following them. So it must conform to scripture. Then it must also be consistent with scripture. Not only have I heard it once, but scripture seems to confirm this is the way God spoke. <coughs> and when the Lord spoke to someone, he did it three times. And the third time when someone said, Lord speak, God spoke to him and gave him a word. May the Lord grant you and I grace this week as we sit at the feet of the Lord as kinsmen desiring to live a, leg a, leg a legacy. Remember that we can do it when we go to him in prayer. When we have set our hearts to know exactly the most important thing to us. What is it that I want to leave behind? I'm praying about it. I'm seriously pursuing it. I'm doing it in, in the power of the Spirit of the Most High God. I'm seeking for God's counsel. I'm living right and allowing the Spirit of God to lead me. And I'm daily seeking to hear God's voice. Seeking to be a mentor 
to others so that I can carry them along with me. When I'm gone, they will still be there to do what needs to be done. Eli was rejected, but God raised up Samuel. May the Lord through us raise another generation of believers that all of us can sit back and be proud of that we raise these men and women in the faith who will stand and do exploits for God. May he bless his word and bless his people tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.